Welcome to Beltway Talk, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between politics and the automobile retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's episode of Beltway Talk is brought to you by DealerOps, the most comprehensive automotive business intelligence reporting solution on the market, providing dealerships and dealer groups with the analytical and comparative data to make better and more informative business decisions. Find out more about DealerOps at AIADA.org. On today's podcast, we're talking with Anna Schneider, who is Volkswagen Group of America's Senior Vice President of Industry Government Relations. She's talking about her work in the industry here in D.C. and has plenty of insight on what's happening in Washington, D.C. as it relates to the auto industry this year. Welcome to Beltway Talk, Anna. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I think to get things started, can you first introduce yourself to Beltway Talk listeners and tell us about who you are and what you do for Volkswagen here in the D.C. area? Oh, I'd be happy to. So my name is Anna Schneider, and I'm Senior Vice President for Industry and Government Relations for Volkswagen Group of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, our offices are located in Washington, D.C., and I'm the sole registered lobbyist for the company, so it's a busy job. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Um, what does a typical day look like for you? As you can imagine, working for a German company, the emails start coming quickly early in the morning. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so uh, I do, I'm an early riser, that, that works for me. And I, I usually do a lot of uh, reacting to questions about what happened the previous news cycle, what sort of legislation was introduced, trying to talk people off the ledge, that uh, bill introduction doesn't mean it's passed. Uh, so there's a lot of internal stakeholder education as well as external advocacy and a typical day you know we do you know we work very closely with our our colleagues on capitol hill within the administration uh dealers are critical to our Mm -hmm. success so we do a monthly dealer newsletter that i sent out right before i came here so we we do send that out we do internal communications for top management so we try to explain Washington, particularly for those people that aren't in Washington. Okay, that makes sense. Um, have you noticed a difference just being on the American side of things and working for a German company, just differences in kind of how, this is a wild card question, just <laughs> the differences in how things are perceived or how things are done? I have to say that the, my German colleagues are extremely sophisticated. They read many of the same publications that I do and they being six hours ahead, they get a jump on me frequently, so they have questions ready to go. When I open up that laptop at four thirty in the morning, uh, the they're and they're very anxious to engage. Uh, you know, we're pri- primarily an importer still, despite mm-hmm. the fact that we manufacture in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But um, we have to often remind our colleagues on Capitol Hill. Uh, important information in terms of jobs and investment, where we're located. We have a, a platinum lead manufacturing plant in Chattanooga. So we have a lot of environmental points we like to highlight. We give back to the communities in which we operate. So, uh, and Germany understands the importance of all that. So there, we do get a lot of support as well as a lot of questions. Oh, I can imagine. Um, as a DC veteran, do you have any insight into what is the best thing about working in DC? What has kept you here all of these years? Truthfully, what's kept me here? 
I met Mr. Wright uh, <laughs> and then proceeded to have three kids, which is a luxury in the auto industry. People do tend to move around a lot. But as a, a lobbyist and having developed relationships over 30 years with people on Capitol Hill, yes, there's a lot of turnover, but there are a lot of people that stay here and a lot of members that stay here. And it's all very much driven by relationships. So what's kept me here is I can say I've got 30 years worth of Capitol Hill relationships and it's served me well and, and hopefully served the company well, uh, because now people will call and say, Hey, Anna, we've got this new EV bill. What do you think? And I'll say, Hey, it looks great, but mm, can we get rid of those buy American <laughs> provisions? So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, you know, we've developed a, a network of kind of early warning systems and it allows us to respond in a very timely manner and, and make sure that we're advocating for the company and keeping Volkswagen competitive. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned you've got about 30 years here. Um, most of that, I believe working in the auto sector or lobbying for the auto industry. So maybe explain to listeners a little bit of your background, I think, and kind of what's kept you hanging what's around. What's kept me here? Yeah. What's hanging, why the auto industry? Well, I had the good fortune of working at a company that has since merged with Hill & Knowlton. It was Gray & Company Public Affairs Worldwide mm -hmm. in the 80s. And I was on the account team that landed the Hyundai account. Okay. So that was my introduction to automotive. And let's be honest, once you're in automotive, you don't want to leave. I, I've considered other roles and the industry is so innovative and constantly changing. I vividly remember working with Japanese engineers, watching airbags deploy from about 50 feet away and them shaking their heads and saying, that's never going in cars. And now we've got two stage airbags. And I think any vehicle has about seven airbags. We have pedestrian airbags. And we've gone from watching airbags explode to watching cars drive themselves. So it's so exciting and it's ever changing. It just never gets dull. So with your, all of your experience, do you have any um, recap of the challenges and highlights of your years advocating on Capitol Hill for the industry? The challenges are I've always worked for international nameplates. And despite, you know, it doesn't matter how many plants you have in the U.S. In my past, it includes Mitsubishi and Toyota. I mean, if you have foreign headquarters, you are seen as a foreign automaker. And you are constantly educating members of Congress, staff, members of the administration on the positive economic impact that international nameplates have in this country. It's... It's really important that we engage nonstop, even when there's where there are no issues, no, what am I saying? There's never no issues, but just reminding members, you know, in our case, hey, we're in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We employ 3,800 people. You know, we have the VW Academy. We're training kids starting in high school for careers in 21st century manufacturing. You know, our headquarters are in Herndon. When we moved from Michigan to Virginia, we promised the state 400 jobs. We've got over a thousand. So there's always, I would argue, a good news story. And it's just making sure that our champions on Capitol Hill are armed with that information and know how important we are and want to be part of our success and, you know, alert us to potential competitive challenges. Yeah. Um, and I know you kind of referenced this a little bit, but Volkswagen Group of America is based in nearby Herndon, which is here in the Beltway area. Um, can you give us any insight into Volkswagen's decision to base its U.S. presence in this area? 
So being in Detroit, we were in Auburn Hills and we remain in Auburn Hills. We still have 1,400 people there. So we still have a significant presence in Michigan. But let's be honest, we were overshadowed when we were in Michigan. The Detroit manufacturers are far bigger, far more influential. And there was a desire to branch out a little bit and be distinctive. And moving to the greater Washington area was a fantastic move because, you know, it's a highly educated workforce. There's significant diversity, not just cultural diversity, but diversity of thought. It's high tech. And for our department in particular to be so close to the people that regulate our industry, and let's be honest, the industry is highly regulated, it was a great move. And we have just grown far beyond our expectations. We now have flown out of one building and we're in three and we opened our Washington presence uh, three years ago. So it's, it's great for us. We can promote our plate, our space in Washington and work closely with our philanthropic partners and be walking distance to the Hills. So it's worked out really well for us. You kind of touched on the, my, what was going to be in my next question of what you think is beneficial about being so close to Washington. Um, and you said you work right in Washington, D.C., correct? That's correct. For okay. the first, my first eight years at Volkswagen, we were in Herndon. And particularly times like the Washington, D.C. auto show that's just around the corner, you know, I, I, I recall very vividly getting a call from Congressman Upton's office saying, oh, the congressman would like to visit your booth. Uh, could you be there in 30 minutes? And I'm thinking, <laughs> not in my wildest dreams. You know, no. Herndon is just, it's close, not that close. No. So having a presence downtown, being close to Capitol Hill, we can respond really quickly to requests from members, to requests from staff. Our trade associations are downtown. So we are physically present and part of the conversation. You know, so often you, you take calls or meetings by phone. Let's face it, you miss stuff. So it's really important to be there, be present, and, you know, make sure that your interests are well represented. So changing gears, Anna, for Volkswagen dealers, could you lend your take on what you think are the most pressing issues our industry is facing at the federal level right now? So the past year has been largely consumed with working on USMCA. As our dealers well know, the rules of origin were significantly more stringent. So our office played a critical, I would argue, global coordination role between our manufacturing plants in Chattanooga and our plants in San Jose Chiapa, our plants in Salau and and, uh, Puebla, as well as in Germany to make sure that we were going to meet the rules of origin so that we could continue to maintain duty-free treatment. Our president and CEO said right at the get-go that we needed to meet the rules of origin and that commitment was there but we're a global auto manufacturer and we had global supply chains to deal with and we had to work really hard to make sure that we had a domestic supply base as well and i have to say to the president's credit that we are adding jobs in the u.s that's great in order to meet the rules of origin and those are supplier jobs as well as manufacturing Mm -hmm. jobs Other issues, of course, would be the threat of tariffs, which has been a constant in our last three years. And Mm -hmm. when we had the international 
Emergency Economic Powers Act. I had to look that one up. It, I started my career in trade, and I have to say I had to dig out some documents for that one. But the threat of tariffs imposed on Mexican exports was a huge threat to us. The Section 232 tariffs were a huge threat to us. I've spent an inordinate amount of time on steel exclusion requests. And I have to say, as onerous as the process is, it has proven to be somewhat fair and we filed 19 steel exclusion requests and we received 19 steel exclusion requests, but they aren't any fun to fill out. <laughs> so uh, tariffs and then the US-EU negotiations are finally getting off to a, I would argue, slow start, but Paul Hogan is coming to the US and we have new leadership in the EU. And of course we have concerns that tariffs are a potential threat. European autos have been under threat of tariffs for years, and that is a large portion of our work reminding the administration, looking for champions on Capitol Hill, to remind the policymakers that automotive imports aren't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Just talk to dealers. Yeah. You know, we are producing cars here, we're importing cars, our Audi brand is is ex an exclusive importer, and yet they create thousands of jobs across the US. So if there's a demand for the cars, for the technology, for the safety features, you want consumers to be able to buy those cars. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and just getting into what dealers can do to help um, on issues like this, what do you think dealers can and should be doing to affect change on some of the issues that you're working on? Dealers should maintain and enhance relationships with elected officials mm -hmm. at every level of government. We have shamelessly copied AIADA <laughs> with our Dealer Legislative Action Center in keeping dealers informed, in uh, putting out calls for action, time to the legislative schedule, should there be a threat to imports, a threat of tariffs. Dealers, a lot of our dealers have excellent relationships with their members and we highlight them on our website we have a whole section on dealer involvement we have a section on dealers making a difference in their communities and maintaining relationships with their members with their mayors with their senators is so important and like you we encourage dealers during recess periods to invite the members of congress to their dealership to show them how many employees they have to talk about their giving back to the community. So, you know, there I'm one person. We have dealers in virtually every district across the country between Volkswagen and Audi in particular. And I would say they are our greatest asset yeah. in terms of getting our messages out. So yeah, definitely a lot for dealers to get involved with this year. Um, kind of just turning the corner to wrap things up a little bit. Do you have any goals for 2020? And those can be personal or professional or both. So the number one goal, of course, would be no tariffs. Mm, yes. No harm to our brands. Nothing uncompetitive. It's... I'm supposed to be the... the eyes and ears of the company on Capitol Hill. And I want to make sure that I'm doing my job to the best of my ability. But 
that's a challenge in this current environment. And so, you know, if we can get through this year unscathed by tariffs or any sort of actions that would inhibit the sale of our vehicles, that would be number one, clearly. Um, Other goals, just raise awareness among our external stakeholders, our policymakers, and let them know how good we are for the economy, that we're not foreign automakers. I mean, we are foreign automakers, but we're very well embedded in the U.S. We're doing a lot in terms of jobs, in terms of job training. I mean, we're having a hard time hiring enough people. We just expanded our plant to build two battery electric vehicles. We're looking to hire another thousand people. It's really hard in a healthy economy. Manufacturing is hard work, but we have a the VW Academy, which is training people to build specifically battery electric vehicles. And in order to encourage people to consider a career in manufacturing, we're literally starting in middle schools. We have e-labs in 15 middle schools in Tennessee, predominantly in Chattanooga. We're recruiting kids at the high school level to consider a career in manufacturing. They can finish their high school career at the VW Academy while earning a living, while learning a trade, while learning how to manufacture cars or operate robotics or a degree in mechatronics. But the job market is so tight, it's tough. So obviously, like any auto manufacturer, we'd like to see an increase in sales. Absolutely. uh, a, A happy and productive workforce. And lots of people driving around in Volkswagen, Audis, Bentleys, Bugattis, Maybe not so many Lamborghinis, but <laughs> but regardless, you know, you just we're, we want success for all the brands. Well, um, thanks for joining us in the studio again here today. Is there anything you want to add, Anna, before we wrap up? So I'd like to thank AIADA. I mean, I it's maybe it's not common knowledge, but it's um, I would argue lore that AIADA may have been started by some Volkswagen dealers in the 60s when they were threatened with none other than tariffs, 25% tariffs on the import of of trucks. And while that tariff remains, there's a goal, get rid of the truck tariff. Oh, yeah. Uh, We we have followed closely in your footsteps and we we, uh, cheer your success and we emulate your programs and we will continue to do so. And we're so grateful for your Washington Congresses every year and we get the dealers here in town. Mm -hmm. So you're a vital part of our success. So big thank you to AIADA. All right. Well, thanks once again for joining us on Beltway Talk today, Anna. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beltway Talk. Please feel free to reach out and let us know if there are any guests or topics you'd like to see covered on future episodes. I can be reached directly at oliverh at AIADA.org. Join us again next time for Bellway Talk.